you can live out your MasterChef dreams. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. Welcome to Pod Save America. I'm John Favreau. I'm John Lovett. Tommy Vitor. Later in today's pod, we're going to talk to independent journalist Marcy Wheeler about President Trump's meeting with Putin and about the latest indictment in the Mueller investigation, which includes the most detailed accusations we've seen so far about Russia's interference in the 2016 election. Lots to talk about today, guys. Mm. Um, but first, some promotions. We had a fantastic Love It or Leave It. You should download it now. It was a very good episode. Uh, we had uh, Professor Melina Abdullah. We had Kate Willett. We had Megan Gailey. It was an awesome conversation. There's actually some debate about the Democratic Party. Some very, very important stuff about Starbucks cold foam. Check it out. Uh, Pod Save the World this week. It was a very fun one. We talked about the politics of the World Cup with Roger Bennett from the Men in Blazers podcast, which is absolutely hilarious. Uh, they're in Mother Russia. All these countries are competing on the uh, on the soccer pitch, so they don't fight wars. It's interesting. It's not depressing. Check it out. And the wilderness has launched on Monday. It's out. The first four episodes. So check it out. Thewildernesspodcast.com. This is my documentary about the history and future of the Democratic Party. You can listen to episode one is about the history of the party. Episode two is about the Obama years. Episode three is about the 2016 election. And episode four... Uh, it's about the focus groups I did with voters in Texas and Michigan, and we talked to some pollsters about the state of the party there. So, check it out. Check it out. Check it all out. The conversations are fascinating. Fascinating conversations. That's what we do here at Crooked Media. Let's have one. Okay. <laughs> Excellent segue, Tommy. On Friday, American prosecutors indicted a dozen Russian military operatives for sabotaging our 2016 election by hacking and stealing emails, analytics, and other sensitive information from the Democratic Party and the Clinton campaign. Today, at a press conference with Vladimir Putin, President Trump sided with the Russian president over America's own law enforcement and intelligence agencies saying this, quote, My people came to me, Director of National Intelligence Dan Coats came to me, and they said they think it's Russia. I have President Putin. He just said it's not Russia. I'll say this. I don't see any reason why it would be. Guys, tight. <laughs> I know we deal with truly awful, dishonest, unhinged Trump comments every hour of every day, but today really does feel different. Um, to me, there are a few moments of the Trump presidency that I think will truly stand out in history as the most disgraceful. Muslim ban, Charlottesville, family separations, and now I would include the Putin press conference in Helsinki. Uh, in front of the entire world, basically, the President of the United States betrayed his own country uh, to defend one that sabotaged our own elections. Um, I want to get your reactions to this. Uh, but first, we have a special guest in studio. Um, he tried to get a few questions out at the press conference in Helsinki, but he flew back and he's here with us today. Um, joining us on the pod is Joe America. Hello, it is me, Joe America. I've just returned from Helsinki. I have to say, I feel as though you were watching different press conference than me. I saw a man lead from behind. I was there, <laughs> obviously, as correspondent for NRA TV, uh, <laughs> hired by a lovely woman who owned furniture store, but also involved in politics, deeply strange. Uh, 
Anyway, I thought Trump did very good, very strong. Uh, he uh, is um, leading from behind, <laughs> uh, very far behind. I feel like you people have lost your minds. I, he was, it was a very cool event. Very cool. Uh, I was in pl- some place called Hall of Mirrors. <laughs> Hall of Mirrors, because it is uh, on the nose, as you people say, as I say, American. Uh, anyway, uh, NRA, very good. Uh, Pro-America, NRA Times, uh, USA Forever, ever. Thank you, Joe America. I, I, we just thought we had to leaven this a little bit. It was uh, it was a tough day, bad day of news, and uh, so thank you to Joe America. Tommy, what did you? Uh, what were your reactions watching this Monday morning? Well, I just want to agree with everything Joe said, but then <laughs> it did today. Did feel today felt different. It was it was it was well. First of all, it was fucking disgraceful. I mean, yeah. to to watch. We're used to Trump complaining about the missing server uh, and complaining about Clinton and the you know the election results at at rallies or on Twitter, but like to see him do that at a joint press conference with a foreign head of state was just, it it outlined how crazy and pathetic it actually is. Um, He didn't offer even a mild rebuke of Putin, not a single harsh word. He attacked Mueller, Hillary, the DNC, stroke, a Pakistani gentleman. Like he was all over the map, but not a single word about election interference, all the things they're doing uh, in Syria or anything else. Like he tried to use the same rhetoric he used on North Korea, to spin himself out of criticism saying, oh, we should have had this dialogue a long time ago before I got to office or missing the fact that the U.S. talked to Russia all the time. Uh, in fact, you guys used to attack Obama over the Russia reset all the time. So it did feel like the reaction was different, too. And we spent a couple hours in the office just watching Fox News, and they actually were pretty hard on Trump. A lot of Republicans were hard on Trump. So I think we we learned something today. You can get criticized from the right if you coddle Putin, uh, both sides uh, debate between literal Nazis and Klansmen, uh, and if you show any compassion towards immigrants uh, by proposing a DACA fix. Those are the things that will get you attacked by the right in this country. Um, love it. Do you want to do, do a reaction in, uh, in the John Lovett voice? Yes, sure. <laughs> I think that'd be better. The, uh, <laughs> it was fascinating to watch in some ways because this is not it's it, it's both surprising and not surprising it is not surprising that donald trump stands next to putin and says exactly what he's been saying all along right this is the exact tenor he's taken the deeply strange and uh and hard to explain tenor that trump has taken towards this one country no problem standing next to uh merkel and criticizing her no problem uh going after uh, uh the uk in an interview but stands next to putin and he can't find can't find the words to be critical at all. He just shrinks. Uh, And yet it is still surprising. And one thing that I thought was really fascinating today in watching the reaction is something flipped. I I have never seen so many reporters, politicians, uh, including Chris Wallace of of Fox and, and all the way to NPR, openly talking about whether or not Vladimir Putin has damaging information about Donald Trump. I mean, this is an extraordinary thing. We're so used to it now because we've been hearing about Compromat for such a long time, but that we're openly discussing it, that to me feels like the shift. I mean, we were talking about this before we yeah. started, about uh, what Adam Davidson said about us reaching the end game. And this does feel like... It feels like we're getting close to the truth. I don't know if we're getting any closer to the truth, although I, I think we're getting a lot closer to it being a completely okay thing to say for everyone to call bullshit and say how disgraceful that was. I mean, That's they true. cut back from the press conference to Anderson Cooper, and Anderson Cooper's like, that was the most disgraceful thing I've ever seen from a president on foreign soil. And then you have Chuck Schumer doing a press conference today where he said, I'm left to believe that they they have compromising information on President Trump. I mean, things that I think were seen as fringe or we, things we kind of joked about about the P-tape are now mainstream and real. And... I just think like one thing that kept 
coming to my head about the setting was like they're in Helsinki. They're in Finland. They share a border with Russia. Uh, they've had to build up their military in recent years because there's a real credible threat from the Russian military right on their border. Um, and Trump goes into this meeting by selling out NATO and the EU, and then he's coddling Putin in this event in Helsinki. I mean, it is terrifying. These are like very real stakes for the people living in that country for the entire world. Uh, and our country looks like a joke. Uh, you mentioned Chuck Schumer. I want to get to his question from his press conference, which I think sort of sums it up, which is what could possibly cause President Trump to put the interests of Russia over those of the United States? I think that's the sort of the big question hanging over all of this. But before we get there, Tommy, I want to take a step back. A U.S. official directly involved with the Helsinki summit told CNN, this was not the plan. <laughs> um, so my what point, a moment of candor. If this so, wasn't the plan, why did they make that red treason button for him to press at the event? You didn't see the treason coin they made with, <laughs> with Putin and Trump on it? So my question was, what was the plan? Why have this meeting in the first place? What could the Trump administration possibly think the United States would gain from this? Putin wanted this meeting, right? The easiest thing for Trump and the Trump administration to do would have just been to say, no thanks, we're all good on the meeting. This could become very awkward. Trump yeah. could say something crazy. Why? What were they hoping to achieve with this meeting? Yeah, it's easier to not fly to Helsinki than to fly to Helsinki, <laughs> you know? Uh, that's, the, that's why we have you on the show. I, I Honestly, I think the... <laughs> no one ever goes to Helsinki by accident. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, it seems like the only reason they had this summit was because a whole bunch of people told Trump not to have the summit. So, yeah. You're right. He was just fucking hell bent on doing it. And if you, if you take him at his word, he thinks that if he's buddies with Putin, he can turn to him at dinner and say, why don't you knock it off in Syria? Or why don't you help us out uh, with North Korea? But that's just not how Putin works. That's not how the world works. So it, it was ill-considered. There was no preparation. His own team didn't seem to go into this thing with much of a plan. They weren't allowed in half of the fucking meeting. I mean, there's those two translators. And how strange is that, by the way? Very strange. Like, I think Obama probably had one-on-one meetings with, like, Bibi Netanyahu or David Cameron. With or, like, no no-takers really, present or staff? Yeah, like, really, really close allies. The idea of going into a meeting with Vladimir Putin with just a translator is very uh, odd. I mean, maybe on the edges of a summit, you to pull aside, pull aside. Maybe there's something that is really delicate that you only want to say in the smallest possible setting, or like you don't trust Sergey Lavrov, the foreign minister, if you're talking about Medvedev when he was in power. But this is a weird, this is setting Trump up for failure because Trump is stupid and Putin is pretty crafty. So, so now for the, the big question, is there, is there any explanation for Trump's love of Putin and refusal to take Russia's election sabotage seriously other than the obvious one, what is now the obvious one, which is that Russia has something on Donald Trump. And we should go through what something could be because, you know, everyone's like, haha, the P-tape. We joke about the P-tape all the time. But there's other things that, that he could have over him. There is, um, there, there could be a financial reason, right? We've talked about, uh, you know, and, and Don Jr., idiot Don Jr. has said this before, like a huge cross-section of our assets are from Russia. We know that, you know, Trump bought a whole bunch of properties in cash. There could be money laundering. So there could be that. Those are the, the financial reasons. There's also the very simple one that if Trump did accept Russia's help in the election, if there was collusion, then Russia has that over Trump, right? But so what, what, are the, what possible explanations could there be for this that don't involve having something on Trump, having leverage on Donald Trump. So there's one, there is one, and this is where you have this overlap of the fact that the Trump character is like overwritten, right? Because it would be enough for him to be a, a TV host with like a personality disorder 
and it would be enough for him to be a compromised uh, foreign agent criminal. But it's both <laughs> at all times. And there is absolutely truth to the idea that if Donald Trump were to admit that the Russians interfered with the election to help him win, it would be admitting that in some way his election is illegitimate. And it is absolutely true. And he's not as great as he thinks he's he is. He's not as great as he thinks he is. His ego can't take it. It's too embarrassing. He would... Uh, he would. He just can't. He can't bring himself to concede that, and so no information can confirm that to him. I think that that is a reasonable part, not all of it. It's a reasonable part of of his behavior. Uh, I don't think it's enough to explain the slavish, 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 slavish devotion uh, to Vladimir Putin, the refusal to criticize him on any front. Right? Because the 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 reason that that explanation is not enough is because Donald Trump is not just solicitous of Putin on the issue of Russian interference. He's also solicitous of Putin on the issue of Ukraine and Crimea and NATO and, and, and NATO Europe. and Europe and all the rest and elevating Putin and being so kind to Putin. So I don't believe that just the narcissistic explanation is enough. And, and I think the biggest reason why the narcissistic explanation is not sufficient is that Donald Trump's praise of Vladimir Putin did not begin after the election, once it was revealed that Russia interfered in the election. Right. All through the 2016 campaign, he praised Vladimir Putin and play, praised him as a strong man and, say, and excused the murder of journalists and, and, and imprisoned and all the human rights abuses that he had. He did that all through 2016? Maybe he just digs kleptocrats with authoritarian tendencies who you know, are into white ethnostates. The, he, I think that's that's there a is a truth. there is a kindred there's the, well that's the kindred spirit explanation uh, okay so there's <laughs> like but so there's the yeah, kindred the kindred the, spirit theory there's the he has leverage over them there's the ego there's the kindred spirit where both authoritarians just sitting here in the world in 2018 trying to figure just trying keep, to figure our way through the world just a couple of <laughs> couple of p tapes uh, uh, can I just flag one really fucking weird thing from this press conference that got sure. some attention in his opening statement mm. Trump. Uh, said I know where you're going with this. <laughs> he brought up Russian interference with Putin, and then he was like, "But I'll let Vladimir address it directly because he raised an interesting idea." So then Putin, like 20 minutes later, goes on to say that uh, the Russian Federation will let Mueller uh, come to Russia, and Russian officials will interview the Russians that Mueller wants extradited, and that representatives from the team can sit in on that. But there's a big catch which is that Putin wants access to U.S. persons, including intel, officers, agents, whatever, who he claims committed illegal acts against Russia. Then he cites Bill Browder, who wrote a book called Red Notice, who's this like billionaire who was basically driven out of Russia because he was trying to fight for his friend Sergei Magnitsky, who was killed. There's a great pod save the world on this. Check it out. Um, and says that Browder's associates funneled money to Clinton. So it seems to me that the interesting idea is that we give over U.S. intel agents to Putin to be questioned and harassed and maybe Bill Browder too. Like, what the fuck? That's not interesting. That's batshit crazy. And Donald Trump's called it a great idea. Like, mm, cool. Fantastic. Sure, literally, wonderful idea. Literally, the plot, of, literally the, the plot of the villains of the film Spectre. And it's like Putin, all Putin had to do was, was cite the idea that uh, Clinton might have gotten money somehow in this scheme. And he's like, oh, great. My, my default fall guy, Hillary Clinton, let's go there. Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty weird, that was, right? That was pretty weird. Okay, it's, so it's the, the false equi- it's the false equivalence, right? It's the it's the it's the the idea that uh, you know, like he he hears from Putin, he hears from U.S. intelligence. <laughs> who can decide, right? That's the, it's the uh, yeah. it's the underlying explanation for how you could say something so ludicrous. So the White House spin on this, um, which they you know funneled through Jonathan Swan of Axios, was. Um, his brain can't process that collusion and cyber attacks are two different things. 
is one. That's not spin. That is like worse. Yeah. So maybe. whenever That's scary. When I, here's, here's a tip. Whenever you're a White House official telling a reporter, the president's brain can't process X. Boss yeah. is too dumb. That's, yeah. The, uh, here's put it on the background. This isn't a crime thing. The president's brain's all broke, and uh, we got a broken president brain, and uh, it's a classic case of broken president brain, and everybody's getting all crazy because uh, they think that some crime's happening. Really, it's just that the president yeah. can't process simple facts. You got a McRib stuck in there in 86, and <laughs> yeah, it's not just, working right. Uh, yeah, it's, it's mostly special sauce up there at this point. <laughs> <laughs> their, their next uh, their next explanation he seems constitutionally incapable of taking anything Mueller finds seriously again when you say that the president is constitutionally incapable of something that's a problem um, and then they also went on to tell Swan that a lot of them are not proud of the man they work for right now. Yeah, you're, you're kidding cool. well yeah we'll keep a hold we won't hold our breaths for the yeah. resignations you cowards <laughs> have been saying that since Charlottesville and not one of you has quit in protest uh, just a quick shout out to Reuters and the AP by the way they did a great job at that press conference and really like ask him simple questions and, and he fucked up like yeah, that's yeah. the model it was it was quite good no i mean look i think the upshot of this is whatever the reason donald trump is in this for himself he only cares about himself his own interests his own ego um saving his ass whatever it may be he is not thinking about the united states he's not thinking about america's interests it is not just on this issue it is on every single fucking issue and every decision he's made and every statement he's uttered since he's become president the man does not care about anyone but himself he will throw his family under the bus he will throw his aides under the bus he will throw the united states under the bus and he and he will he will throw the united states allies under the bus and he showed all of that during that press conference today and today was a disgrace and it was pretty universal universally immediately described as such. Uh, but remember, the Trump people described the Access Hollywood tape release date as this big inflection point where you were either with Donald, you were ride or die for Trump, or you were not, and you were out of the club permanently. He, was, he has trained everyone around him to have blind loyalty. And the only people that will be able to weather this with him will tell him that he was great. So they're never going to course correct. They're never going to fix this, even if yeah. he gets hammered from the outside. Well, they're Although scared as, of him. Yeah. They're scared of him. Yeah. Although, as you, as you mentioned, you guys mentioned, we were talking about some of the reactions. Um, let's go through some of the reactions from conservatives and Republicans, because I don't think I've... I don't think I've seen anything like this since the Access Hollywood tape. from Or Charlottesville. Or Charlottesville. Yeah. Um, one of the most disgraceful performances by an American president in memory, Republican Senator John McCain. Shameful, Republican Senator Jeff Flake. An affront to American democracy, GOP Congressman Peter Roskam. I've seen Russian intelligence manipulate many people in my career. I never thought the U.S. president would be one of them, Republican Congressman and former CIA agent Will Hurd. Disgusting, Fox host Neil Cavuto. An idiot savant. Geraldo. <laughs> no, I feel like, though, though, that is also a backhanded compliment. <laughs> so let's not forget that. No negotiation is worth throwing your own people and country under the bus. Abby Huntsman, Fox and Friends host and daughter of U.S. Ambassador to Russia, John Huntsman, who sat there and did nothing and is somehow still ambassador today, yeah, did not resign. You maybe get your dad on the blower, Abby. See what he thinks. Um, so, you know, obviously everyone on Twitter, when all these Republicans make their statement, we go through a cycle that we usually go through, which is a Republican makes a statement that is mildly critical of Donald Trump, or in this case, very critical of Donald Trump. And everyone's like, okay, fuck you, pal. Why don't you go do something about it? Um, so what are, what are some actual steps that Republicans could take as opposed to just 
issuing sad tweets, sad statements, being outraged, mm-hmm. going on Fox and saying that they're troubled. Well, uh, at Dan Pfeiffer had uh, some good tweets about this him. today that I'd like to read from. Please so do. a few things that are pretty simple. They could pass legislation to protect the special counsel's role in investigation. They've been talking about this for months. They've all said it's not necessary. It's not time. Hey, Mitch McConnell, step up and do it. Uh, you could subpoena Trump's taxes or business records. That seems like it's not going to happen. But hey, why not? That will find out if if, if Russia has any financial right. leverage over the president. Right. The current sanctions regime against Russia has a lot of discretion for the executive branch that allows them to opt out of some of it. They can make them tougher. Uh, they could stop holding hearings on Hillary Clinton's fucking emails like three years later and maybe hold hearings about how we can protect future elections given that the DNI says it's a blinking red light moment from Russia attacks like pre-9-11. Uh, so those are some things. Speaking of the DNI, uh, after after saying that he believed, <laughs> after saying that he believed President Putin over his own intelligence agencies, the director of national intelligence, Dan Coats, was forced to release a statement saying, "By the way, we still believe that because the evidence shows that Russia interfered in our election." How do you keep working in that building? If you're at the CIA or the State Department or the DNI's office, this guy just cuts your sweeps your legs up from under you every single day, humiliates the leadership of your agency. How do you work there? I mean, David Ignatius made this point in his piece over the weekend, which is like, imagine those intelligence officials. Imagine the people who've worked to uncover these crimes from Russia that helped Mueller with this indictment that on, on Friday. And imagine all the work they've done, all the risks they've taken. And then they report out the information they and they watch the president of the United States stand next to the man that committed these crimes, that directed these crimes, and say he believes them over you. People have died. People have died over this. Uh, we already know that people connected to the Steele dossier have been killed. So we're we're talking about uh, we're talking about a situation where a foreign adversary has uh, uh, committed one of the most brazen and successful attacks against us in American history. Uh, it is not only confirmed by intelligence agencies; it is now uh, validated by uh, dozens of charges by the FBI, and uh, the President of the United States just doesn't give a shit. So we we talked about some of the Republicans that criticized Trump. But the question is, will Republicans do anything about this? And if not, why? Um, You had Rand Paul, Ron Johnson, who took a trip to fucking... How great do those senators, Republican senators who took a trip to Russia over the 4th of July uh, weekend look right now? Ron Johnson was one of them. Richard Shelby. All of them today minimized the threat to our elections. Basically said no big deal. There's still some uh, leftover stroganoff in the fridge, you know? (laughs) That stuff's so good. That's how recently (laughs) they were there. (laughs) Mitch McConnell said nothing so far. This is our recording this Monday night. Um, But, you know, Mitch McConnell's the same person that refused to let Barack Obama... Um, put out a statement, a bipartisan statement, warning everyone that Russia was interfering in the election during the election in 2016. So that's Mitch McConnell. So do we think anything's going to change? Do you think Republicans will do anything about this? No, because like for all the good statements we read, you still have your fucking subtweet heroes like Paul Ryan and Marco Rubio who were like, Russia's a bad actor on the world stage and they clearly hacked our election, but I'm not actually going to name Trump in my statement because I want you to know what I'm thinking, but I'm not going to say it because I'm a pathetic coward. Yeah, it's <laughs> it really like the, 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 the worst kind of statement is the Paul Ryan or Rubio statement, which says uh, that states the fact that it states as if they're agreeing to the fact that the the intelligence agencies have made this conclusion is somehow impressive. As I've long stated, Russia uh, interfered in our election, and I believe we should take it seriously. Statements from senators and members of Congress that say, here's what the president should do, uh, or here's what happened, without saying, 
And if the president doesn't, I believe we should do X, Y, or Z are completely useless. They're completely useless. Uh, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, Joni Ernst released an absolutely ridiculous statement, which said that I hope behind closed doors the president was much tougher. <laughs> oh, you, so you're so you you're you're hoping that behind closed doors the president was a different person. Yeah, Trump was just yeah, a yeah. different person behind closed doors. So uh, it is incredibly discouraging. What you know, like Jeff Flake. Jeff Flake put out a fine statement. John McCain put out an incredibly tough statement. Uh, it, it's almost like someone needs to remind these guys that um, they're some of the most powerful people on planet Earth. Particularly, hold up the, a Supreme Court nominee. Right. I was going to say, particularly <laughs> with the fact that the Senate right now is fifty forty nine without right. McCain there. They have you have a lot of power in the Senate, particularly when uh, the margin is that close. Um, and he and, and it's, I actually just don't want to move off of that because it is. I think it speaks to the larger cultural rot. Uh, that Trump has been able to exploit. It, it's this feeling again and again that something really bad happens, something unprecedented happening happens. It's awful and 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 sad and 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 it breaks your heart and then nothing changes. And part of the reason that happens is there are a lot of people in power who for a lot for for personal reasons, for political reasons, for structural reasons, don't know how to use it. They don't know how to exploit it. They don't know how to take advantage of it. They're afraid to use their power. They're afraid to actually be part of history. And, and if there's one recurring theme of the Trump administration, it's that over and over again, people are given the biggest test of their lives and they fail again and again and again. And we're seeing it right now. Were you reading The Secret over the weekend? It was <laughs> I, I, I did not read The Secret, but I do believe in The Secret. I do believe that uh, you can will positive uh, changes into the world by Be the change. Uh, truly expecting them to happen. Well, so here's something even darker. It brings us to yet another explanation for why Trump acted the way he did today. And that is because he wanted the help and he still <laughs> wants the help. Yeah. We yeah. keep talking about everything as some, what happened in the past. This is history, but it's not. Like, as you said, Tommy, Dan Coates, the director of national intelligence, you know, said the, just the other day, all the lights are flashing red. Putin intends to interfere in our election again in 2018. He could do it again in 2020. And a lot of these Republicans, and specifically Donald Trump, probably want the help because they know that Putin's on their side. So the question is, like, it's not just about figuring out what happened. It's about figuring out what happened so that we can protect future elections from interference. And the reason that so many of these Republicans need to take this seriously and that Democrats should be screaming from the rooftops is not just so that we can like hope that Mueller indicts a bunch of people, but that we can make sure that in 2018 and 2020, our democracy isn't subverted. Yeah, I feel like there's two, there's two fears. Uh, they're both awful and one is cataclysmic. There's the awful fear, which is that once again, the Russians are the Russian, you know, these these foreign actors are going to exploit the weaknesses in our press, weaknesses in cybersecurity to steal things and leak them, sow division, try to undermine the people that they want to lose. And, and that's a frightening outcome. Uh, I hope that we have adapted. I do think that because Trump is now president, in a lot of ways, the world has changed. We've talked about this, like the impact of leaked emails now would be like, Leaked emails. Go fuck yourself. We we got bigger fish to fry. I like hope we're, so. we're, I, I I do I believe I don't think they wouldn't. I do think they'd make news. I don't think we'd be totally able to put them aside. But I think we'd handle it a, with a little bit more maturity. I think each time there have been these big leaks, we've done that. But then there is this deeper fear, which is other than integrity, you look at what's happened in our system and you say, well, what's what is to stop them from attacking the actual electoral systems and that's the unspoken, uncertain, terrifying outcome. And 
we are still at least partially protected by the fact that we don't have a national voter registration, right? It's state by state and county by county. It's hard. Uh, but I think that we are fooling ourselves if we believe that uh, there isn't a chance that we will wake up the day after an election and not know that it was stolen from us. Yeah. I, I, I do not share your confidence that we've matured in any way as a, as a press corps, as a body politic. If you look at like the Sony hack to 2016, I think we sort of reacted in the same way that allowed ourselves to be used by a covert action program. I do take some confidence in the fact that that the Russians hacked a whole bunch of emails in advance of the French presidential elections, and they have a whole different set of rules over there, but um, it didn't impact the outcome. They would have, Russia wanted Marine Le Pen to win uh, Macron won, so they didn't get the outcome they wanted. Uh, I think there's a lot of 2016 that was a black swan event uh, in many ways, as we've discussed in the show, and we'll hopefully never discuss again. But it would be great if Congress actually focused and held accountable DHS or the DNI or any of the relevant agencies and said, what have you done in the last year and a half to protect us? Yeah. And I do think, I mean, I am very worried that reporters especially political reporters, have not learned the lesson of 2016 when most of them reported on these stolen emails and, and helped spread this misinformation. And I, I really, I guess it doesn't do us much good to predict whether they have or haven't. But, but does it just, matter if you have InfoWars and Fox News and Breitbart and right. Daily Caller? Like, yeah, I guess there's an industry. I, mean, I, guess right. I, I guess I don't, I guess maturity is the wrong phrase. I, I, I guess I just mean that we're in a state of crisis every single day. There's a ongoing crisis and somehow in a, politics that is in crisis, it doesn't feel as though leaked emails, hacked emails can make as much of a dent. That doesn't mean they won't get the unfair coverage. That doesn't mean they won't be exploited. That doesn't mean it won't be reported on. But somehow I just think not because we're better people, but because we're in worse situations that that it'll won't, it won't it can't make Dark. the same difference. I mean that's my that's and I and I, that's, obviously that's, that's plausible. That's that's that what is I plausible. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How do you cope when there's something weighing on you or something you need to get off your chest? You know the best way to do it? Best way to cope is to talk about it. Not just cram it down, not do what generations of New Englanders have done, just stuff their feelings down, maybe cover it with a coat of booze. No, you got to talk to someone, you got to work it out, get it off your chest. And just by doing that, you will feel better. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash PSA. Go today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash P-S-A. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. Why are smart businesses graduating to NetSuite by Oracle? Because NetSuite eliminates the expense of multiple business systems by consolidating your operations together into one. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. NetSuite reduces IT costs because it lives in the cloud with no hardware required, so you can access it from anywhere. You cut the cost and headaches of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. Bringing all your major business processes into one platform improves efficiency, 
slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. You'll see how you'll profit with NetSuite, too. And now, by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Just go to netsuite.com slash podcast25 for more information. That's netsuite.com slash podcast25. One thing we haven't talked about, the, the press conference on Monday wasn't an isolated incident, even in the last week. It was the grand finale of Trump's Fuck You Europe <laughs> tour. Uh, where he attacked America's oldest and closest allies. On Sunday, he called the European Union a foe. He was asked who are America's foes, and he started with the European fucking Union. Um, he badmouthed British Prime Minister Theresa May. He attacked the mayor of London. He said European Union leaders are destroying their country's culture by legally welcome, Im- welcoming immigrants and refugees. Tommy, what kind of damage... Does this do to our relationships? Is this something that we can like brush off? Is this something that's going to have far-reaching consequences? Um, <clears throat> if he is able to pull us out of NATO or help splinter NATO, that is maybe unfixable damage. I mean, NATO was intended to keep Europe together, keep them from fighting, and sort of and tie their military alliance and security to us. Uh, it has been incredibly successful, but if you know, if, if it goes. A different direction. I don't think that's fixable. Uh, I don't know why he is picking all these fights with European allies. I think he has a fundamental misunderstanding of trade and what it means to run a trade deficit. <laughs> he thinks that they all owe us money, but it certainly uh, benefits these nationalist parties that are already on the rise in Europe. I mean, you're seeing it in uh, in in Hungary, in Italy, in in Turkey. Erdogan's been autocratic and Trump was apparently praising him at the NATO meeting and giving him a fist bump and saying, my boy Erdogan knows how to do things. Like, what? Like, what? Lock up all his opponents and crack down on, you know, civil liberties? So um, he's creating massive rifts and he is uh, peeling apart alliances that have been helped created by us and have benefited us for decades. And I, that's very hard to fix. And again, all of these actions that he took, everything he said lines up perfectly with Vladimir Putin's goals to break up NATO, to uh, at least rupture the alliances of Western democracies, to ally himself with strongmen and dictators and right wing nationalist parties. Um, it's pretty scary. It's very scary. Yeah, I don't think he's uh, when he's talking about culture, I don't think he's talking about like the decline of French new wave cinema or, <laughs> or like the tempest, you, you know, know? Yes. Like, that, that's sort of, I'm really glad you brought it. that language yeah. up because I, that when he says those things, he means non-white people are moving into Europe. Of course. It is so gross and fucking blatant. And I really had a hard time watching the sort of press corps goof around with him in that previous press conference when he was with Theresa May over in, outside of London because he wasn't allowed in London because he's scared of a tiny balloon. Um, <laughs> so much. There's so many things. But I mean, it was nakedly racist. Did I that balloon work? Is Trump still president? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and look, I, like, I just hope that after he said that in Europe, we just stop fucking pretending that any of his rhetoric or policies on immigration are about gangs or crime or national security or the economy or anything else what he said is indistinguishable from what white nationalists say about immigration. Because in, in Europe, he wasn't talking about illegal immigration. He was talking about legal immigration. He was talking about welcoming refugees. Yeah. It's, uh, it, uh, just to bring it full circle, 
Tucker Carlson today oh, yeah. uh, was talking about uh, Russian election interference, and he said all kinds of countries interfere. I think Mexico's done more to interfere with American elections because uh, they're trying to, quote, pack our electorate, no. end quote. What? Yes. Oh, he yeah. said that they are trying to pack our electorate. So Tucker Carlson, Man, who you has- You pee one time and you miss, like, horrible <laughs> things. It's it was- uh, So happened to Donald Trump, he said. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, you pee one time. It's like you pee one time. Next thing you know, you're standing there. Next thing you know, you're president. <laughs> uh, but uh, sorry, you're making a very you know, important no, but serious it, point. <laughs> it, it connects these two things, right? Because uh, um, Tucker Carlson is using white nationalism to explain away uh, traitorous, treasonous behavior, and that's another thing, by the way. That's another word that for a very long time mm-hmm. uh, I was reluctant to use uh, because. You know, treason's in the Constitution, right? It's 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 we not should, the def, well. The definition is, and what people complain about before is, to commit treason, the United States has to be at war with another country, and you have to do something in the interest of that country. We are, even though Russia launched a cyber attack against us, we are not officially at war with Russia. So therefore, it's not treason. That's what people said last time. But my my my, but my my problem with it wasn't that it was not technically defined <laughs> according to the rules of the Constitution. <laughs> it's that. It felt like the kind of bombastic uh, rhetoric of Twitter of people crossing the Delaware every single day. But I think what's different today is you watch Putin, what you watch Trump and Putin on that stage, and it is treasonous. He, he, it is he betrayed the country. He well, betrayed, he betrayed country. America. He did. And the president of the United States betrayed America. And it's not you saying that. It was John Brennan, former CIA director, saying it was nothing short of treasonous. So very and serious talk, people. And John Brennan is not some you know, resistance hero on Twitter uh, crossing the Delaware. No. <laughs> As you said, John Brennan has seen every secret, knows every secret this country has and has seen every piece of intelligence, the most sensitive intelligence in the world throughout the eight years that Barack Obama was president. Okay. So for John Brennan January to be, 20th. For, for John Brennan to be as upset as John Brennan is, he knows some shit. Yeah, and that actually, just one more point about that, he does know some shit. And that's actually one of the most enraging parts about this because there's a lot of Republicans who spend their days and nights covering for Donald Trump and they have no fucking clue what they're covering for. They are protecting him and, and, and acting as though what he's doing is normal. They don't know what secret he's trying to keep. Right, Brian, they don't know Brian the Boyler, information. Brian Boyler always says this. They, the, the, the craziest thing about these Republicans is they don't even know the crimes they're covering up. Yes. They are, they are engaged in a massive cover-up for the president and they don't know what the crimes are. <laughs> they're just blind doing it yeah Devin Nunes is like I'll do whatever it takes I'll shut down any investigation Paul Ryan's like you do you I'm just gonna turn the other way and just have a sad face for the camera go ahead just have fun I don't know what the crimes are but you know you guys go cover for for Donald Trump by day get fooled by Sasha Baron Cohen at night (laughs) Matt Geitz you are a moron between uh between uh, Sasha Baron Cohen and Maria Butina were there any Republicans in some of these meetings <laughs> just, just a <laughs> we should oh yeah we should talk about that I mean we've been we've been referencing the Mueller indictments throughout this conversation Ugh, but let's talk about the new information we learned on Friday which I think was four years ago um <laughs> De- Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein charged 12 Russian military intel officers 
um, with hacking both the DNC and Clinton campaign in 2016. The indictment also included details about how Russian hackers allegedly compromised our elections infrastructure. They stole personal information from 500,000 voters. That's another thing. Like, you know, you say, oh, Donald Trump doesn't like Hillary Clinton up there. 500,000 people had their information stolen. And Donald Trump's up there fucking just kissing Vladimir Putin's ass. And, and saying, hey, Russia, can you get her extra emails? And then that day they try to find they did the emails it. for the first time. Um, the indictments talk about how an American congressional candidate apparently asked for and uh, may have received hacked documents about his opponent, how Russian hackers gained access to the Clinton campaign team's analytics in September of 2016. A huge deal, those listening. That, that helps you understand the entire game plan for the other side. That's like, that's like something New England Patriots might do. We film your practices. We'll steal your playbook. We know how to whoop your ass. Oh, my God. Tommy. I am so proud of you Thank for you. that analogy. Thank that meant so the world to me for you to be <laughs> for, to be to be that open to using the Patriots. I'm going to throw a lobster roll at your face. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, no. But to your point, just before you move off that specific that specific charge, one thing that a lot of people have noted, and obviously we don't know this yet, but uh, this information is stolen from the Clinton campaign, and then uh, within days. All of a sudden, there's all these announcements that the Trump campaign is changing their strategy, specifically changing their strategy about having trying to stop the people that the Clinton campaign cares about the most, which is the exact kind of information that comes out of these kinds of analytics. Well, and also, I mean, there's, of course, after that tweet storm is out there, you know, Nate Silver, Joshua Green, who both, you know, know a lot about the election, written a lot about analytics and data, both said, you know, they the Trump campaign didn't need this analytics to know that. Um, they were ignoring Michigan and Wisconsin, and that was their play, and they should end up blah blah. But like, no. I think this is all us, this is all beside the point. Yeah, I didn't need a gun to rob the register. I could have it? my finger in my shirt. Well, fuck off. They stole they the playbook. It. Yeah, what they did with the playbook, who knows? Right. They stole the fucking analytics from the campaign, and if the Trump campaign somehow got their hands on that analytic information, that's the crime. Doesn't matter what but, the fuck they did with it. But also, what was interesting to me is this wasn't just an attack on the Clinton campaign. It was an attack on the entire Democratic Party. They were going after the DNC, the right. DCCC, uh, which is remarkable. And it broadens the whole thing. And then I just couldn't help read this but think Congress spent like 14, 15 hours last week kicking the shit out of Peter Strzok for sending text messages where he was upset to a mistress that he never intended to be public, destroying the life of a guy who spent his career trying to block foreign adversaries from hacking us, like a, a counterintelligence mission that was absolutely critical to preventing what happened. They destroyed this guy rather than focus on the mission he used to work on. Well, and like, think about that in light of the press conference today. Gee, I wonder why Peter Strzok didn't like Donald Trump. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's so. That. So does half the like. Yeah, well, you have a bunch of Republicans saying he's the most disgraceful thing they could imagine. Today most of his kids today. don't like Donald Trump, right? No shit. Yeah, uh, I mean, this, that's a it's, a it's a good it's a good it's a question that they don't ask. That's not it's the follow up question that that doesn't come. Uh, that that Trump and and the Nunes people and all the rest are like, oh, there's the FBI, these agents, they're out there to get Donald Trump. The intelligence community is out there to get Donald Trump. You, there's plenty of reasons to be critical of the intelligence community. But doesn't it give you any pause to know that all these career uh, uh, intelligence experts believe that Donald Trump is a threat? Does not does not give you pause at all? I guess not. Not great. Uh, and the last thing we learned, and this was on Monday, uh, the Justice Department charged a Russian gun rights advocate with acting as a Russian agent. Maria Butina attempted to set up a back channel line of communications between the Republican Party and the Russian government through the NRA. Just a perfect bow on this whole fucking thing. Uh, and she, she tried to yeah. broker a Trump-Putin meeting during the 2016 campaign. So Those NRA people, Dana Loesch, 
Dan Bongino, the roid raising former Secret Service asshole. Like they are just the worst people. And they're they spent, the worst. And they spent more money to elect Donald day. Trump. Funneled huge amounts of money towards ads, more than they have for any other Republican candidate in recent memory. And as Jen Palmieri on the Clinton campaign pointed out today, they didn't run ads about guns; they ran ad about ads about Benghazi. There is a, so this the NRA Russia connection is now just coming to light with some of these other indictments. So um, that story that's that's coming attractions for what we'll uh, we'll be finding out in the future. So um, we are going to ask our next guest all about this and more. Um, we will have Marcy Wheeler, a journalist who's been covering all of this, um, on right after the break. You know what this uh, story all feels like? What's that? Helsinki warmed over. <laughs> you know? There's our. Thank God we got a title. It's so much better <laughs> when you have one. You don't have to think about it after the pod. Thanks, love it. You're welcome. All right, Marcy Wheeler after this. You can start your day off right. When you find a professional on Angie to get your plumbing right first. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. Why are smart businesses graduating to NetSuite by Oracle? Because NetSuite eliminates the expense of multiple business systems by consolidating your operations together into one. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. NetSuite reduces IT costs because it lives in the cloud with no hardware required, so you can access it from anywhere. You cut the cost and headaches of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. Bringing all your major business processes into one platform improves efficiency, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. You'll see how you'll profit with NetSuite, too. And now, by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Just go to netsuite.com slash podcast25 for more information. That's netsuite.com slash podcast25. Guys, it's been a rough year. It's going to get rougher, and you deserve a little treat for not going insane yet. You could head to the local tiki bar and tell the bartender, do your worst. But we have a better idea for you, which is pick out something from the Crooked store. The store is stocked with tons of new merch. It's perfect for the spring. And classics like the friend of the pod tees that you'll be wearing long after the next administration or the next fascist dictatorship, depending on how things go. Pick up a new tee for the warm weather ahead, a mug that'll remind you to stay involved this election year, or a hat celebrating your favorite pod. Go to crooked.com store to shop. On the pod today, we have with us independent journalist Marcy Wheeler. You can read her writing on EmptyWheel.net. Marcy, thank you so much for joining us. Awesome to be on. Um, so you wrote today that at the Helsinki summit, uh, Putin essentially reenacted the infamous June 9th, 2016 meeting that took place between Trump campaign officials and a Russian lawyer who promised them dirt on Clinton's campaign. What did you mean by that? So if people remember, back on June 9th, 2016, a woman named Natalia Veselnitskaya got a meeting um, from a guy named Rob Goldstone, uh, and Don Jr. offered Don Jr. dirt on Hillary Clinton. He said, I love it, especially later this summer. And the meeting effectively was Veselnitskaya coming in and pretending that, that Bill Browder 
had dirt on Hillary Clinton and then saying, please get rid of the Magnitsky sanctions, which uh, the U.S. imposed on Russia for human rights violations. And subsequently, about a week after that, that's when the stolen emails from the, the emails that Russia had stolen from John Podesta and from the DNC started being released on a on a WordPress site. So you've got dirt on Hillary, Magnitsky sanctions, free emails stolen from Democrats. And all of those factors, except for the well, all of those factors showed up in today's in today's hearing with Vladimir Putin, uh, with Trump just sitting there looking like a, a little boy trying to get in, you know, trying to get approval from daddy. Marcy, you have a Ph.D., uh, I believe, in comparative literature. Does it do. does it take a Ph.D. to manage Donald Trump? I mean, what do you make of the way he seems to be just like you said, he looked like a little boy, but even his posture, he just looked kind of defeated when he walked in there. Like, what do you think Putin has on this guy? We joke about the P tape, but you think it might be worse? Yeah, I do. I mean, one of the aspects of the election year attack that has uh, gotten uh, far too little attention is the fact that um, a presumed Russian persona was dumping NSA's tools all over the Internet. And I pointed out the other day that when that persona started doing that again in April, three days after uh, Trump bombed Syria in retaliation for an Assad attack on civilians, um, the theme was all about Syria, just as these themes. I mean, that's a that's a consistent theme in sort of uh, what Trump is supposed to pay off to Vladimir Putin for his election year help. And I think there's stuff like that, that um, that Trump, I, I think it goes far beyond a P tape. I think it goes and the Russians also are very good at getting I mean, we've se- like after this, this is kind of a sidelight because there seems to be a Russian spy every day. But uh, the NRA spy, Maria Butini, who was arrested over the weekend, there are pictures of her with all of these Republican officials that she was trying to compromise and I, I assume that the Russians similarly have pictures or Trump doing something stupid, agreeing to this deal with the Russians, dirt on Hillary for getting rid of the Magnitsky sanctions. And and I think that's what it's going to come down to. Uh, you wrote over the weekend that you suspect the reality is Mueller is close to taking steps that will lay out a case for conspiracies with Russia involving people very close to Trump. Are there any clues from what we've already seen laid out publicly about who those people might be, what the conspiracies might be, and uh, how scared should Roger Stone be right now? Well, this is where I should probably confess that I, I went to the FBI on something. So I, right, I've got the inside track. But I, I mean, I think that I think that the I think that I think the June ninth meeting is real, and I would expect anybody associated with the June ninth meeting uh, to be in a bit of trouble, particularly if Paul Manafort ever decides to get around to flipping. Um, and his his trial is about 10 days away, so he may see some urgency on that front. I do think Roger Stone is in trouble. I and mean, Roger Stone was was described in some detail in Friday's indictment against 12 uh, Russian military intelligence officers. And so he and Lee Stranahan, both of whom kind of had a role in in pretending that Guccifer 2.0 was not Russian, I think that they're both probably in a bit of trouble, too. And, and uh, Mueller has spent much of the spring calling in witnesses on Roger Stone. So he's certainly got a lot of interest in that front. And so that June 9th meeting was Manafort, Kushner, Don Jr. What, who else was in the brain trust that day? Is that about it? 
That's about it. There's um there there's um a guy Rina Akmetshin who w- was a lobbyist but the lobbying is, you know, kind of suspect. So he's he's an American citizen. There's another guy Ike Kavaladza who works for uh Aras Agalarov who is sort of Trump's handler. Uh, again, one of the things that Putin brought up today, he was asked point blank, do you have any compromat on on Trump? And he said, oh, I don't think I even knew that Trump was in the country in 2013 when he brought Miss Universe to Moscow, which is a a lie because there are sworn statements everywhere saying that that Putin canceled a meeting with him at the very last minute. But I mean, how are you going to miss Miss Universe being shot from Moscow? That's like Trump, you know, core Trump and Putin half naked women culture. Um, So it's a lie. But one of the things he was pointing to is that the Agalarovs, who set up the June 9th meeting, also brought Trump to Moscow. That's when the alleged P-tape happened. But I think it's bigger than that. I mean, I think that, you know, they basically the the Russian oligarchs brought Trump to Moscow and and uh, celebrated him. And that was kind of the beginning of this of this cultivation of Trump that ended up in in them significantly helping him win the election in 2016. So you mentioned how you went to the FBI. Um, a good amount's been written already about how you decided you'd, you'd reveal one of your sources to the FBI, essentially making you a witness in Mueller's investigation. Um, you didn't name this person publicly, but you wrote in your blog about how you decided to do this after you got a text sometime after the election about the possibility of Michael Flynn meeting with Syrian officials. I believe it was right after the election. What ultimately... Pl- like 15 right. hours after okay, the polls. Very... I mean, it wasn't It wasn't like, hey, let's get up and, and get rid of the hangover. It was like, let's get up and immediately start paying our Jesus. debts. Uh, what ultimately pushed you <laughs> to take this to the FBI? Um, well, it wasn't about the text. It was about other things. It, you know, th- So this person, I think, played a significant role in, in parts of the attack. And it took some time before I was actually... Before I actually believed that was true. I mean, it was sort of like, you are crazy. And then I'd wake up the next day. I'm like, no, you really need to think about this. And so um, I first started trying uh, long before I actually did and trying to kind of preserve more journalistic equities, go to the FBI and ask some questions and see if they start, you know, screaming. Um, And then things got more urgent. And so then I kind of gave up and just went to the FBI and sat down in a room with them. So um, so it, it was a it was a long process. I spoke to eight lawyers over the course of getting to the FBI um, and and with a growing sense of urgency and, and panic, really. Marcy, you are an expert in national security, uh, in civil liberties. You are a big fan of the Fourth Amendment, among others. Like, you, <laughs> I'm not you, a big fan of the FBI either. Well, that's, that's where I'm even. coming. That's where <laughs> nice I'm getting guys. to. Right. Like you're a big civil libertarian. The first time you and I interacted was probably because you were kicking the shit out of the Obama administration for you know, drones. N- name drones, name your overreach, <laughs> uh, you know, surveillance. You have come a long way on the question of Russia collusion uh, over the past several years. Like, can you help us understand your evolution and what got you to a place where you actually went to the FBI uh, and now are seen as, you know, someone who is a, a part of this investigation rather than just reporting on it? <laughs> well, talk to me after this all breaks. No, I mean, I, from about, you know, June when it first started breaking to December, there were alternate theories. I had some other people pitch me with alternate theories, which might actually be part of what um, Julian Assange or the Russians were hoping to use as their plausible plausible deniability. And, I, and so 
and beyond the fact that I'm a natural skeptic, I was testing all of these theories and meanwhile trying to figure out whether this person I knew was actually part of it. So I was juggling with those three things for for a long time. And uh, over time, more and more public evidence came out that showed that um, at least the case that Russia had hacked Podesta's emails and oh, by the way, we figured out that the emails first released by this Guccifer 2.0 figure were Podesta emails. So it kind of once you once you make that connection, you can sort of ignore the Julian Assange question for a little while. Although I think Julian Assange, you know, since since uh, Friday, a lot of Julian Julian Assange's dead enders have been trying to understand why I think their their kind of claims about metadata are, are not sufficient to argue that. Julian Assange can play dumb. But um, but yeah, so it was it was a long process. And I and I like to say that uh, you know, some of like in the indictment Friday, there were several sort I could point to paragraphs and say this is where that source who talked to me in July is. This is where that source who talked to me in in January is. So, you know, I did talk to a lot of people. The, the, the skeptics all claim that all of this intelligence comes from the NSA, and that's simply not true. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously it comes from CrowdStrike, but there are many other places where the intelligence in Friday's indictment came from. And I happen to be well-placed to talk to a bunch of those people as sources um, and even touch base with them since Friday. So, so you know, it's it's actually not the case that it it's all about CrowdStrike and the NSA. That that there was there was evidence everywhere that this is that this was the Russians. And now in Friday's document, that's all kind of laid out. It just you don't know who it came from, and and everyone assumes it was the NSA, but that's not true. Do you think that at, at the very least, the threads of what ultimately took place in the 2016 election? Um, with Russia, with Trump, are all out there in public right now, and it's a matter of sort of Mueller connecting them together for everyone. Or do you think that there is a good deal of the story that is still hidden that we will find out in the uh, in the coming months? Well, my part's going to be a surprise for virtually everyone. Um, but uh, mm-hmm. but but some of what I know was in public. I mean, some of what I went to the FBI was with was, hey, look at this. That's public. I just was looking at it from a very different perspective than a lot of people. Um, And that's part of the core case, I think. Um, You know, again, I the the reason I went to the FBI is because this person played a significant role in the election attack, not because he got a text 15 hours after the polls closed uh, or sent me a text 15 hours after the polls closed, making it clear he knew exactly what was going on inside the White House. And this is not a Republican and not somebody who has any ties to Trump. So. Um, I think that there will I, I assume it must be true that there are many witnesses like me who were witnesses to stuff that nobody knows about, who were watching people who um, no one's paying attention to who are part of this. And so, yeah, I suspect that that kind of case is going to be pretty, pretty surprising um, and pretty, pretty strong. I mean, I like I, I've said this, that um, I, I never talked to Peter Strzok, who's the FBI agent that, that uh, Trump uh, attacked in Helsinki today. I, he wasn't anywhere near the testimony I gave to the FBI. I wasn't actually speaking to the Mueller inquiry when I did. Um, and I can point to things that uh, between what I told the FBI and what, what I found, you know, shortly thereafter lying out there in public, um, I can get right to Trump. 
And so, and I assume that's true via a number of means. And therefore, uh, that Mueller's sitting on a lot, and he, I think, is going to roll it out. And if today is any indication, I mean, finally we've got Republicans saying this is beyond the pale. We cannot have a, a president subject himself to a hostile foreign power like he did, like Trump did today. Um, I think we might see some momentum finally turning against Trump. Marcy, hey, it's John Lovett here. Quick question on level of surprise. Um, Sixth Sense, <laughs> what, what kind of a twist are we heading towards here? Is it more like The Village where it's a bit disappointing but and, and, and doesn't kind of hold together? What do you think? Oh, I'm so bad at pop culture. Please don't quiz me in public. I'm, I'm no, I, I think um, uh, there, there are some big plot twists. Uh, I did a series um, some months ago when when the questions that Mueller wants Trump to answer came out and I laid it out. I'm like, this is clear quid pro quo. I mean, they went to Trump and said, we'll help you. We want sanctions relief. We want Syria throwing Ukraine. Maybe we'll throw in a Trump tower. And that's that's it. That's that is the basic equation we're talking about. Then throw in Israel and the Emirates and the Saudis and the and Bill Seychelles. Browder's head on a spike. <laughs> and, Bill Bill's, and, and basically all the most, you know, awful human rights abusers sitting in the Seychelles Islands with uh, Eric Prince. Um, and that's going to develop some and that's going to turn into kind of garden variety money laundering that also happens to be tied with the theft of the election. Um, but the core... <laughs> Story you have an in interesting definition of garden variety. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what Home Depot are you going to? <laughs> well, it's okay. It's, you know, the Versailles garden all in right, gold, right. gold leaf, right? It's massive. It is massive corruption. And it's all of this. I mean, Eric Prince is, um, I, you know, I'm in, I'm in a town with about 10 buildings named after him. Um, and and uh, it's perfect for him, right? Because it's about making a lot of money off of um, killing people for other people <laughs> and doing it to keep very powerful, corrupt, evil men in power. I, you know, I think that's that's the short story. And that's why Trump likes Putin so much um, and likes the Saudis so much and likes Bibi Netanyahu so much. So um, that's that's the narrative. Uh, but I but again, I think that the basic equation is this quid pro quo, the the help for sanctions relief, the help for Syria. And a Trump Tower thrown in because Trump will do anything not? for a Trump Tower. Right. And a football phone. <laughs> hey, Marcy, we all kind of wish you worked for Bob Mueller, but you don't. You're an independent journalist who writes about all these really important issues. How can people support your work if they like what they heard? Well, they can, you know, go to my site and, and dump money in my or just read it. Uh, you know, What's your I, site? I, I, I write on, very weedy stuff. And um, finally, you know, when it like the last time I had this kind of following was during the CIA leak case. Uh, so I'm, you know, back to covering the big scandalous um, legal case. But EmptyWheel.net. EmptyWheel.net. And everyone can listen to Marcy on the foreign policy episode of The Wilderness. We had a fantastic interview for that, too. That was fun. <laughs> um, Marcy, thank you so much for joining us. And, uh, and we'll talk to you again soon. Awesome to be on. Thanks.
Thanks to Marcy Wheeler for joining us today, and uh, and thanks also to Joe America for stopping by. Hello, have 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 lovely holidays. Uh, pretty soon, uh, I hope you had good July Fourth. It is last one you will have. Uh, <laughs> next next time holiday will be slightly different. Joe, yes. when's your sit down with Chris Wallace? I, I um, thought the whole Federation was doing Fox News today. Oh, so I gave Vladimir bum steer by telling him to sit down. I'm in real trouble. I um I said, oh, it's Fox News is be nice. You know, I thought it'd be one of the idiots from the morning. One of morning idiots. You're morning American idiots, but it. It was not. It was the Chris Wallace. It was one of the two good ones. Uh, and there's a real problem. <laughs> I'm going to. I'm very worried. I. I look. I. I'm not saying I walk around with Geiger meter, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm a little worried about my tea having a little. You know, I'm afraid my tea may glow in the dark. If yeah, you understand, a little, little polonium <laughs> in your tea. I hear yeah, you. Very nerve wracking. Yeah, that's um, not Splenda. I uh, don't want to think about it too much. Hard to sleep. Hard to sleep. Anyway, uh, love the NRA. USA forever. Mar-a-Lago. Adios. See you Thursday. Bye guys. <laughs> can host the best backyard barbecue when you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Why are smart businesses graduating to NetSuite by Oracle? Because NetSuite eliminates the expense of multiple business systems by consolidating your operations together into one. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. NetSuite reduces IT costs because it lives in the cloud with no hardware required, so you can access it from anywhere. You cut the cost and headaches of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. Bringing all your major business processes into one platform improves efficiency, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. You'll see how you'll profit with NetSuite, too. And now, by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Just go to netsuite.com slash podcast25 for more information. That's netsuite.com slash podcast25.